You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Hey, welcome to another episode of Growing Up Rock. Sunny Hollywood, what's going on? Not much, man. Just just working. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Sonny, we got a lot of music to play today, so we're not going to waste any time. We're going to get into this almost directly. But before we do, we're going to talk about our word of the day. So our word of the day I came up with, and by I, I mean my wife. <laughs> because she's the only smart one in the family. <laughs> the, word of, nice. the word of the day for today is prodigious. Do you know that prodigious? word? Prodigious? Is it prodigious or prodigious? I don't know, dude. I'm dumb. I told you that. <laughs> prodigious? Is it pronounced I prodigious? I think it's prodigious. Okay. It'll probably come out the wrong way 15 times, but we'll keep using it. All right. That's the problem with getting these hard words. Yeah. So so I'll I'll use prodigious in in a sentence, okay? The album was prodigious. It sounded amazing and was phenomenal in every way <laughs> shape or form. <laughs> How's that? Does that work? That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, wait. That's prodigious. Yeah. So, so the definition of prodigious, the short definition is remarkably impressive, great in extent, size, or degree. I have a prodigious member. <laughs> oh, wait. Was that, was that out loud? My bad. I did not need to know that. <laughs> How about I use my member prodigiously? Is that is that good? I think that sounds right. Yeah, it sounds we'll, right to me. We'll go right. We'll go with that. <laughs> so, so be, be, yeah, this is already gone awry, and we haven't even been drinking, but that's okay. <laughs> so, so before before we get into uh, this week's topics and and everything else that comes along with this episode. Samantha, tell these fine people what they can uh, do to get our podcast out there to people. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. Okay, just like the lovely lady said, you can go to growinguprock.com. You can listen to our podcast there. You can read some of the cool blogs and articles we have, some of the listener stories. And we would really appreciate it if you would share our podcast to help get the word out. That would help us greatly. Also, you can always go to our Amazon store, click on the link of the music that you want to pick up and 
do your shopping. It doesn't cost you a dime extra, but it helps us out, helps us pay for some of our hosting fees and things like that to keep this podcast up and running. Uh, So we would greatly appreciate it. Sonny, you got anything you want to add to that? Especially the Amazon link. It's there's some great music has come out in 2017 and you might have missed the boat. So you definitely want to check some of that out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this week's topic, before we get any further into the episode, this week's topic, we're doing another episode of this ain't no disco, uh, which essentially is just Sunny and mine's way of playing whatever the hell we want to play in any given year. And this year it's 1990. So before we get into that, it's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right. So for the Crank It Up Spotlight, our buddies in Classic 78, if you remember back, hopefully you do, but uh, we did an interview with Classic 78. We did an interview with Tom on episode two. So we would encourage you to go back and listen to that because we're working on getting a new interview and go track by track on the next six song installment that they just released called Side Two. And again, if you haven't heard Classic 78, basically their deal is they're trying to sound like that classic Kiss sound. Uh, Anything between like 74 and 78, they don't rip Kiss off by any means. They're all new songs, all written by them. But it's in that flavor and genre. It's got the same guitar tones. It's got the same recording quality kind of and it's just they uh pay homage to those four years of kiss for a crank it up spotlight we are going to play the paul song so one of the things they do is like they'll do a gene song and sound like gene and they'll do a peter song and sound like peter do an ace song sound like ace but they've got a song that sounds like paul and my thought process on the song is it sounds a lot like it could have been on love gun Paul singing right on the album Love Gun. And the song is called World on Fire by Classic 78.
Yep. Love it. Side two, which is the new classic 78 EP, is every bit as good as that first one they put out. Just sounds great. I mean, it does sound like Kiss from that era. And the cool thing is that they're writing their own songs. And really, to me, I mean, it's not like the songs that they're writing sound like another uh, tune. It's not like they ripped off christine 16 and just rewrote the lyrics to it or something like that i mean it's it's all new music and i love it man i I think it sounds great and if you are a kiss fan from that era you definitely will like uh both side one and side two of this classic 78 that's classic 78 with a k uh show notes are there so you can pick it up by going to the show notes uh on the website and hitting the link and it'll get you there uh, but I, I dig that, man. I dig that uh, that whole new EP. What do you think? Uh, I love it. I thought it was, just like you said, every bit as good as the first uh, side. And, man, they just got this knack. And I don't know if it was they sat in, in a room and listened to those uh, first six albums their entire life. But they've got something about it that I don't think Paul or Gene could write that way right now but they've got it figured out so it's kind of cool yeah for sure all right let's waste no more time let's get into our this ain't no disco episode this year like we said it's 1990 a lot of killer music came out in 1990 because 1990 essentially was kind of it was the end of that whole hard rock, uh, glam rock, pretty boy, rock and roll type thing was kind of coming to an end. And it was it was really the earliest dawning of grunge rock, right? Grunge hadn't really happened yet. Is that pretty much it, Sonny? Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's crossing paths, right? So when you when you research some of these grunge guys, you find out they're around in 84, 85. Even one of your bands started out as a hair metal band, like so... They had the inklings at the beginning, and then, in my opinion, this glam rock, hard rock that I love really didn't die off until the mid-90s, but uh, everybody always talks in decades. I think it lasted from like about 83 to about 95, but yeah, grunge is definitely sniffing around at this point. See, I I don't know if I completely agree with you on that. I kind of think... For me, I kind of think that it was pretty much done around 92, 92, 93 at the latest. I mean, were there other things being put out? Yeah, probably, but I bet they didn't get a second listen after 92 or 93. Yeah, and I agree with that. I agree with that statement. You know, in my kind of head, if I have to put like album bookends to it, one side is Quiet Riot Metal Health, the other side's Carnival of Souls. Yeah. Like, that's my bookend. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Well, look, I went first last time, so I think you're going to go first this time. What do you think? I Sounds good to me. All right. So go for we it. are going to start with a band I remember seeing on MTV. And I remember the video coming on for Man in the Box from Alice in Chains. And... I'm like watching it going, what's this? This isn't thrash. It's not pop. It's not rap. It's not the stuff I really listen to, although it's got this really cool vocal. 
It's got that guitar-driven melody, but it's different, right? And I remember liking it. I'm like, that is a really, really cool song, although that video is a little weird and those guys don't look like pretty boys. Do you remember first seeing that video? I do. I remember that video. And you know what? I saw Alice in Chains, but I can't for the life of me remember who they were opening for. And I saw them. They were third on the bill. And I can almost assure you that the that the bands they were opening for were bands out of the late 80s. I want to say, you know, I remember the venue I saw them at but I just can't remember who it was. And I almost swear, I almost swear that Trickster was on that bill. I want to say it was like Alice in Chains, Trickster, and somebody else. And I can't remember who it was, but. Yeah, and if you remember back, like the West Coast and the East Coast would have different openers. So when I went back and looked at the archives, I've seen Alice in Chains several times. But uh, when I saw them in the early, early 90s, once it was opening for Van Halen, the other time it was opening for Ozzy. Yeah. Uh, but they were West Coast guys, so they could be on big bills like that, right? So, yep. But anyway, Man in the Box and Sea of Sorrow absolutely gets all the attention off that first album, Facelift. That album is awesome. The song that I'm going to play is actually the song that got released as a promo single mm-hmm. before the album got released. And they were selling this single in the clubs. They were starting to really, really come around doing facelift. And the song I'm going to play is called We Die Young by Alice in Chains. Right on.
I love that song, man. That song's so heavy. That that's definitely I dig that tune. I don't know if it's my favorite off that record. I really, really love Sea of Sorrow. And I know Sea of Sorrow oh, yeah. gets gets played, but I'll tell you another song that doesn't get much attention that I absolutely love off that record is is Sunshine. Yeah. You know that tune? Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. This whole album is good. Oh, it is. It really is. It's yeah. it, it's probably to be honest, out of all those Seattle bands and all that stuff, that first Alice in Chains probably one of my favorite records. But I also yeah. think that it's maybe a little bit less of a grunge record and maybe just a straight ahead hard rock record, you know? Yeah, it kinda like bridged the gap, right? I think that's why they got me. Right. Uh I think that's how Soundgarden got me, and I think that's how stone temple pilots got me is it kind of started out with a hard rock thing and then went to the grunge thing yeah for sure yeah all right oh i'm up i'm gonna go straight into guitar shredding face melting metal uh and we're gonna talk about the debut record well uh, let me let me preface it that (laughs) it's not necessary i have the other three yeah i me too actually (laughs) uh and you know what's funny is before i tell people what i'm talking about what's funny is is that i used to have um the one right before this this so-called debut came out and a friend of mine uh played it over the phone for me and he goes he goes you know what this is and i said what he goes this is the new Def leopard record (laughs) <laughs> and mind you, mind you, this is around the time like high and dry and that kind of stuff was happening. So, so it was a it was a rocking record, but the singer reminded me a little bit of Joe Elliott at the time on that record. Uh, yeah, and, and you know the, who that singer was, right? Yeah, I do. And the and the record I'm talking about is Projects in the Jungle. That's the record I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, but. Then they just kind of changed over the course of time (laughs) and became what everybody knows as Pantera. And that debut record, Cowboys from Hell, man, that was a killer record. And I wanted to pick something. Listen, bar none, Cowboys from Hell, one of my favorite songs that Pantera has ever done, but everybody's played it. It's my ringtone. It's there's nothing I can't say that that hadn't been said about that song already. I mean, it it gets me going no matter how many times I hear it. But I didn't want to play that because everybody's played it, and I, you know, we here at Grown Up Rock, we like to go a little bit deeper into the catalog and and play something that everybody's not playing. So the song that I picked off of Pantera is something amply titled the art of shredding. Do you know this tune, Sonny? Uh, yes, I do love it. (laughs) One of the things I like about Pantera, man, is they find that heaviness, but they also manage to find kind of a groove with all that at times. Uh, and so I dig this tune. Here you go. Pantera off the Cowboys from Hell record, The Art of Shredding. Mm-hmm. 
that first minute of the song kind of lulls you to sleep and you're like is this pantera or not and then man dimebag just rips on this song and one of the things i like about this song especially that i don't quite like about the rest of pantera music because uh, it's not consistent throughout their music is phil actually sings on this song yeah right he has some high notes like he has some melody and at times he gets a little cookie monster for me. Yeah, for sure. You know what? You know what though, Sonny? That song that that holds a prodigious amount of metal. I mean, it really does. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's a prodigious amount of notes that Dimebag's playing in the solo. <laughs> Absolutely. And the ball is yours. And by the way, drink. Oh, yeah. All right. So we are going to go to one of the biggest albums in 1990, Queensryche Empire. And uh, I am, you know, if you've heard us uh, a little bit, uh, I'm not the biggest prog rock fan. I just, uh, the songs are too long. Uh, I love vocal melody and... uh, but, you know, like Sons of Apollo, I'm getting into it, right? But, you know, there's some songs that are 13 minutes old, so it's a little long for me. Um, so I try to stay away. I don't really like, like, Dream Theater or because it just gets too 
I guess you almost call it jam band prog rock because it, it just ends up being this like five minute uh, musical piece. But Queensryche at times is that perfect blend for me of vocal melodic hard rock and has a little bit of prog. So it sounds almost refined. It almost is, you know, you can't compare them to LA guns. They're more refined than LA guns, but they didn't go all the way to dream theater either. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it does. You know what else makes sense? It makes sense that the first two bands that you're selecting are Seattle bands. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I didn't even realize that. (laughs) (laughs) I just noticed this. That's a prodigious amount of Seattle bands to lead off your uh, This Ain't No Disco. (laughs) Um, Now, today, I am a fan of the Todd LaTorre's Queensryche. I'm not a fan of the whole Operation Mindcrime thing. you know, I know they divorced or whatever, but Todd Latore's Green Reich is the way to go. Um, but anyway, Empire, you know, it was number seven on Billboard. Uh, Silent Lucidity was all over MTV. Jet City Woman, uh, Another Rainy Night gets played constantly on rock radio. But the song that I never hear, which I really, really like, and there's not really very many bad songs on that album, is the one that I'm going to play, and the song is called best I can off of Empire Queensryche.
Yeah, that's uh, that's one of my uh, more favorite tunes off that record. There's, you know, I just I got really, really burned out on the whole Empire record. I mean, Empire is probably my favorite song on that record, but you know that's been played so many times. There's no no point in playing that one again. But you know, a song that I really like off that record that never gets played. That's kind of a really deep track is is um, One and Only, which is the last track on the record. I like that song yeah. quite a bit as well. So, yeah, right. definitely. Cool. My turn. Your turn, sir. All right. So I'm going to go from the heavy and the crazy to the pop and the glam. So Poison puts out Flesh and Blood in 1990. What was your opinion of this record? Uh, I think it's a really good record. I am floored that it sold 7 million copies. It must have been something to believe in that took it to number two. Yeah. I'm floored it sold seven million copies. I mean, I mean, something to believe, something to believe in was, was something that did really well. But they came out strong with. I mean, what Nun Skinny Bop, the first single off that. Yeah, it was. It I was. mean, and that was that was huge for for a rock tune because it was a rock tune. You know, have yeah. you ever noticed that Unskinny Bop is essentially uh, Leonard Skinner's "They Call Me the Breeze." Oh, I didn't ever notice that. Go, go listen to Leonard Skinner. They call me the breeze, and you'll hear where where uh, CC got that riff from. I think oh. anyway. <laughs> huh? But I like that tune. I like this record. I think this record's really good. It's got quite a good amount of songs on this record, so it's just a solid rock record. I really loved Ride the Wind and just you know Unskinny Bop. I dug that tune as well. So. It was still happening. Glam was still happening back then. I mean, they sold 7 million records, and this record was released in 1990. So they were probably at the height of their popularity at this point, right? They had just yeah. had Open Up and Say Ah, and they just had all those hits and uh, Every Rose off that record. And uh, here they go following up with this record and Unskinny Bop and Something to Believe In. I mean, this is a good, solid record if you're a Poison fan, and... I like uh, some of my poison, so I'm going to play a tune that doesn't get played a lot. I don't even know that I've ever heard them do this song live, but I do like this song. It's a great pop, hard rock. I don't even know if it's hard rock. I'm just going to call it a good pop rock tune. Uh, It's a good solid pop rock tune, but I'm going to play the title track off this record called Flesh and Blood.
Yeah, and I like me some poison too. And that uh, this whole album is prodigious. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> but what's interesting is in that era, and actually my whole life, I've always liked the vocalists that've got that higher range and can hit that high note if they want to and can hit those low notes if they want to. And then I've always liked guitarists that are the shredder riff masters and neither one of those guys are in this band, but it works. It's so odd. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I don't, I I don't live in that same world. You do. I know that that's your, your thing and I get it. Uh, for me, it was more about the, the attitude. I liked that that kind of glam and sleaze and, and the women thing, you know, that time, uh, that time of, um, the genre really, it was about having a good time. I mean, I love that. That's what I miss about rock and roll. It's good time. It's women, even though, you know, married now, so it's not about that so much anymore, but, uh, still it's fun to look right. (laughs) But you know, it's just, it's just about having a good time. And, and that was one of the things I loved about rock and roll, you know? No, it makes sense. Makes sense completely. All right. You're up. All right. So talking about shredders, he can be tough to work with. He's taken some shots lately at his past members. He's a control freak. Uh, One of my favorite singles of all time have said, you don't work with him. You work for him. And we're talking about the mighty Momstein in Bay J Momstein. But you can't, I mean, you can't deny the guy's talent. The guy's talent, that's just how it is. For guitar shredders and putting out that neoclassical music, he owned basically 82 to 90. Because everybody was talking about this guy. The guy was playing constantly. Now, by 1990, he'd already been through three singers. So Jeff Scott Soto had come and gone twice. Mark Bowles had come and gone twice. And Joe Lynn Turner was on his first stint, and he came and gone like two or three times. So by this time, Goran Edmund is a singer, and Goran uh, lasted about three years from 89 to 92. And Ingve starting to lose popularity in the U.S. So the previous two albums before Eclipse came out, were in like the mid-50s, mid-60s in the top 200. But this one landed, uh, the highest it went was 112. But as he's losing the U.S., he's gaining huge popularity in Japan for whatever reason. But anyway, the only song that probably anybody has ever really heard of Eclipse was Making Love because I think that was the only video and it was the only song that was on MTV. They didn't play it that often. But my favorite song off of Eclipse is actually the song that I'm going to play for you now. It's called Judas by Inve Momstein.
Okay, talking about a prodigious amount of notes. Good God. <laughs> yeah. That dude plays Gordon a prodigious amount. fits well in the band. I mean, he's got that deep rock voice. Like, it's really cool. Yeah, that's a good tune. You know, like I said, I like a handful of uh, Malmsteen stuff, so I don't discount him at all. I get a little tired of it quickly, but still, it's got some good tunes for sure. Yeah. I think, you know, what's funny is I actually think I like Malmsteen best when he's just doing a straight ahead rock song. I mean, he's done some good ones, you know? Yeah. And he, uh, you know, he kind of bounces in and out of it. It just depends on the day. Like, I'm sure we'll do a covers episode at one point. So I'm letting the cat out of the bag. But, you know, some of the stuff that he did from Deep Purple or Kansas or some of those classic songs. He knocked them out of the park. We played that Kansas song on one of our other episodes. I don't want to even... Oh, know. yeah, we did. Yeah, which episode was that? I don't know. Who knows? I don't, I don't think... That might have been one of our practice episodes that haven't been released. <laughs> practice episodes. Yes. Uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen. We have we two in the can somewhere that are probably pretty bad that we might run someday. Yeah, we got a couple out there for sure that are in the vault. We're gonna we're gonna put that in what we call the vault, which is um, not a safe. It's this old crunky box that um, isn't on wheels. It's actually on these little rolling things that are plastic. But we're not selling it for two thousand dollars. God dang it! We're gonna sell that thing for at least a buck fifty. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gonna and it's gonna come with one of my old wine corks as your souvenir and hollywood is gonna put a coles uh, gift card that's expired in there and a couple <laughs> of coles coupons and <laughs> that's good i like that yeah we'll, we'll take care of it it'll have it'll, there'll be all kinds of cool stuff in that thing i mean god dang it <laughs> All right, sir, your turn. All right, cool. So, Pantera Poison, and now on to a band that just doesn't get enough exposure. So many people like it, but for whatever reason, they just never seem to go over the top. And I think it's probably because they're a little bit musician-y, so to speak, so... They're just really good musicians, and sometimes it's over the top, and maybe people can't get into it for that reason. But I love them, and I'm talking about King's X. Many of their records have different sounds and different textures on it, but they came out with Faith, Love, Hope uh, in 1990, and that was actually more or less my introduction to King's X and they'd had a couple records out before that, but I just didn't know a whole lot about them uh, until they started playing playing the video on MTV. It's love. It's love. That was it. Yeah, it's love. Yeah, that man. It's it all together. I that was love right, that right? song, man. Yeah. yeah. I love that song, which is not the song that I'm going to play because that's gotten enough exposure. So I went deep into the to the catalog of Faith, Love, Hope and picked one that I love quite a bit. Sonny, what's your take on King's X? How do you feel about this band? They're too prodigious for me. I like my rock dumbed down. <laughs> this is the, actually, this album, this is the only album I own by them. 
you say that, but then you, you talk about, you're an interesting dude. And here's yeah, why. You love your shredding. You love your high screaming vocals. You love your musicianship. But you're not really a prog rock guy, which is funny yeah. because that's kind of the two of the same thing. But yeah. And so King's X is a little bit prodigious for you. Yeah. And and so what is it? Is it the length of the songs? Is it the musicianship? And, and you can't seem to find the groove. What What is it? I think it's the second thing you said. As I as I I really love that single in that video. I remember listening to it going, man, those guys are really, really good. So I had respect right out of the gate. And normally what happens to me is I get that first bad taste and I don't give another hoot about it. And later I find out they're just like every other band I listen to kind of thing. But it's just something about the groove that I just didn't quite, it just didn't quite grab me. This album to me is very power pop, which I don't mind power pop either. It's very catchy power pop. And you got to respect these guys. They've been together ever since the dawn of time. These three stuck it out no matter what, which is mad respect. Still going today. Yeah, mad respect. But there's something about Pinnock's voice to my ear because he's done other things that have connected to things that I really love, and he's not knocked me off my feet then either. So Mm -hmm. there's something about his voice that quite doesn't hit my ear right. I don't know what it is. Interesting. Well, I'm going to play a tune called The Fine Art of Friendship. And this is a great song. I think you'll be able to find a groove with this song. I love the melody. I love the chorus. And I dig this tune. So King's X off of Faith, Love, Hope. This is The Fine Art of Friendship.
so today, when you put in the show notes that you're going to play the song, I'm like, oh, I haven't heard that song in a while. So let me go to my iTunes, click it on. I click it on and go on to something else. And I'm like, oh, shit, I picked the wrong song. That's an extreme song. Go back. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's not extreme. That's King's X. So it, it sounded similar. I'm like, oh, hey, that's actually, I love extreme. That's actually a really good song. And then I'm like, I wonder what King's X stuff I have. And this is the only album I have. <laughs> yeah. So I love that song. Yeah, because you probably gravitated to its love. Its love is one of their more simple, straight ahead hard rock yeah. tunes. And that's yeah. easy. That has everything that you like in a song. Yeah. Uh, so it's probably easy to grasp on and like that song. And there's some other stuff on this record that's similar to that that's easy enough for you to get into. But then there's also like Moan Jam and some things like that that are just, you know, all over the place, which it's what they do. So, all right, on to you, buddy. All right. So we are going to go to deep, deep. Like if you know this band, then you are a huge west coast melodic hard rock fan because uh i don't think very many people have heard of cry wolf and they didn't last that long that's one of the reasons that folks haven't heard of them so cry wolf bay area band you know it was mid 80s mid to late 80s they're trying to get a record contract they can't get something they end up going to la and uh start playing the clubs down there they get a little buzz going but can't get a record contract so here comes japan Sony comes by and says, okay, we can get you signed in Japan. They end up doing really, really well in Japan. They release an album there. They never released that album in the States. Then Sony brings them back and says, all right, we're going to release the same album, change a couple of cuts, and we're going to release it in the U.S. And they lasted basically two albums, and it was done. And they, you know, some mishaps. They're in Houston. All their stuff gets stolen. They you know, ends their tour abruptly. Uh, it was one of the first times they'd really gone out of the West Coast. So these guys disband. They try to come back in 2010. They did a couple of reunion shows in the Bay, uh, a couple of clubs. It was awesome. I loved that show. And then, uh, you know, the singer's like, ah, I'm going to do other things. And now they're trying to come back with a female singer. They don't even have a drummer right now. And they're trying to come back. So I don't know uh, if they'll be able to come back. But uh, had you ever heard of Cry Wolf before? I don't think so. I mean, there are a lot yeah. of bands like that around that time period that, that probably came across my radar. But it, it was in one ear and out the other. So off the top of my head, no, the only wolf band I can remember is Leather Wolf. Yeah. And these guys are, you know, docking. They're in that vein. Skid Row, they're kind of right there. Very cool, melodic hard rock. The album is called Crunch. You can probably still get it in places, but you can definitely check it out on YouTube. Uh, I could have played any song off this album because I love the entire album, but the song that I'm going to pick is called Stop, Look, and Listen. And check out this song because it's pretty cool.
to go hollywood cry wolf <laughs> stop look and listen that's something that you're not going to hear on any other podcast most likely no you know who's a big cry wolf fan is bc from potter than hell is he? he's always talking to me he's always talking to me about cry wolf that's cool i went and listened to this tune when you uh sent it to me because i want to listen to it before you uh before you played it so uh yeah i dig it i mean it's cool Round about that time, so right up my alley. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Your turn, sir. All right. So, I'm going to go to an album that it's one of my classic records. It came out in 1990. It's freaking great, start to finish, in my opinion. I love this album so much. Such a great record. I'm going to talk about the debut album from Lynch Mob, 
Wicket Sensation. Dude, what's your opinion of this record? When I first heard Oni utter one note, I'm like, now we got something. Like, I just got goosebumps saying it out loud. I was like, oh my God, when are they coming? And they were going to play uh, The Stone and the Omni, and they had one of my favorite bands opening for them, which I'll tell you about later. And I was so excited to listen to the album, see them live. Just, to me, an upgrade on everything that was docking. I love this album. Man, I you know, I was a huge, huge docking fan. I was bummed out that those guys couldn't get it together. Uh, so when he came back and he put this band together and to me, I think the first thing I heard off of it was wicked sensation. I'm pretty sure that was the, the lead track. When I heard that song, I was like, Oh yeah, this is going to be good. And then I got that record. I got it right when it came out. When I got that record, man, from start to finish, that record was killer. It didn't leave my, uh, what was it? A tape. I don't know if it was a cassette or a CD back in those days, probably a CD by this point. But when I got that, it didn't leave the player, man. I played the hell out of this record. I liked it so much. So definitely, definitely for me, it's still to date their best record. I mean, they put out some really good stuff. Uh, There's no doubt about it, but for me, still wicked sensation is the uh, benchmark uh, for anything they're doing. So, I went in deep. Uh, I could have played River Loves, probably one of my favorite tunes off that record. I could have played that, but you've heard that enough. Wicked Sensation. You've obviously heard that more than enough. So I want to go a little bit deeper into the track listing and play something maybe that you don't hear every day. So I picked a song called Sweet Sister Mercy. What do you think about that one, Sonny? Love that song. Play it, baby. Play it, play it. Here we go. Sweet Sister Mercy off the Wicked Sensation record.
Yeah, I've seen Lich Mob oh, maybe ten times with three or four different singers because, you know, Oni and George, <laughs> they get along very interestingly, that's for sure. George doesn't get along with any singer, does he? <laughs> Not really. There's rumors about he left Oni at an airport one time because he came there drunk or something. I've seen Oni fall on his face two or three times on stage. Yeah. You know, they like to have fun. I mean, that's what it is. But, uh, yeah, to me, it was a definite upgrade. I love Dokken. But Don's voice versus Oni's voice, uh, Oni's voice is more appealing to my ear. I've seen Oni both ways. I saw Oni in a small club with Lynch Mob once, and he didn't impress me at all. I think he was drunk. I didn't. He he didn't treat the Dokken songs with any kind of respect. He didn't didn't get the words right. I just didn't like it. It really really turned me off on him. But then I've seen him a couple of times more recently, and he was spot on. So I guess it's which guy shows up. But the last couple yeah. times that I've seen Lynch Mom, I've seen Lynch Mom a bunch of times. But the last couple times I've seen him, he was spot on. He did did really well. He sounded great. Sounded great on the docking stuff. Sounded great on the Lynch Mob stuff. So. It's all good. Yeah, you may bring up a good point, though. I forgot about that because I remember the last couple of times I've seen him live. It's like, dude, you don't know the words to tooth and nail? You're still looking at the teleprompter. Oh, my God. It's been how many years? You don't know the words to tooth and nail? <laughs> dude, I don't even care about that so much. It's just, <laughs> well, that makes that's the point is it makes it all that much yeah. worse when you can have a teleprompter that tells you what the freaking words are and you still don't <laughs> get it right. That's what pisses me off. It's like, dude, I paid to see you sing tooth and nail. Now sing for me, monkey. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> get them right, damn it. Treat the songs with respect. That's all I ask, man. So, yeah, it's all good. He repaired his image with me, as far as I'm concerned. Like, he gives a shit what I think, but, you know, I give a shit what I think. Hollywood, you give a shit what I think? Uh, sure. All right. <laughs> Dude, that wasn't convincing. <laughs> all right. All right, so my last pick is a another band that... Maybe not a lot of people have heard of. Have you ever heard of Pretty Maids? Dude, I actually had the first record they put out in like, what, 84 or something. Red Hot and Heavy? Yep. Yeah. So Pretty Maids is a Denmark band. Been around since 81. They've got 15 studio albums. Their latest got released about a year ago. Uh, Ronnie Atkins, who's the lead vocalist, and Ken Hammer, who's a guitarist, have been the mainstays throughout. Uh, but besides that, they've had umpteen amount of members. It's guitar-driven rock. It's got keyboards. Sometimes it sounds a little like House of Lords. Sometimes a little more proggy than that. They've got that Red Hot and Heavy album, their first album, is a little more straight-ahead rock. But then when they got to the late 80s, early 90s, more keyboards came in, yep. and they became a little more commercial. Yep, and they fell off my radar because of that. Like, that first yeah. record I thought was all right, but I was a casual fan at best early on, and then they got real keyboardy, and I, I really started hating it. This last couple years, like, they've made a lot of headway. Like, their last couple records have been really regarded in the press as far as you know, showing up in the top 50 list and things like that. But I don't know. I, I went and tried to listen to that last record, and it's just not really, couldn't get into it. 
Oh, yeah. I don't even know what to tell you. Yeah, they caught me with Future World because that was the video they used to play on MTV. Yeah. Um, and that was came out in 87, I think. And it was like this smooth vocal and then this real cool, gritty vocal. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty interesting. And then when I went and bought the LP, because the artwork these guys have is amazing. It's very futuristic and a lot of greens and yellows. And it's like, oh, man, that's really cool album art. So that's kind of what got me. But they released an album in 1990 called Jump the Gun. And this song that I'm going to play for you, I don't think it's been played very much. It's one of my favorite songs of all time by any band. There's just something about the song. I don't know what it is. It's got all the elements, obviously, that I like. But uh, this song that nobody ever hears is called Don't Settle for Less.
Yeah, so when you told me you were going to play Pretty Maids, I went and Spotified this single because I wanted to find out whether I needed to turn off my headphones or not when this came on. <laughs> like I told you, I kind of fell out of love with Pretty Maids. I was never really in love with them, but I kind of just was like, I don't know, I just don't care that much. But I actually like this song. Don't settle for less. Got a good riff at the beginning. I'm cool. It's got good guitar. So I didn't mind this this song. I actually cranked up my headphones when we put this on to play it. So you got that going for you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen them live. I wish I had. They probably don't play the States very often. I first found out about this band through, I, I want to say like Krang or something. You know, read about them in yeah. Krang and went and checked out that first record and everything. But it's all good. All right, so on to my last pick. And it was really, let me just say this, it was very hard trying to trim down my list because there was a ton of stuff I wanted to play. I mean, there, there's so much that came out in 1990. And once I play this last song, you and I will kind of go back and we'll talk about some of the things that we didn't play, some of the records that were released in 1990. But I decided to play this band, which is funny because you usually you'd be the one to play this, but this first record that they put out, they first put this record out in 1990, which is why it meets our criteria, but then they went and put it back out in 91 with a different album cover. Both album covers are not that impressive, so I'm not sure what what went on there. Maybe you know the story, but... We're talking about Steelheart's debut record. I was not a huge Steelheart fan when they first came out. I hated that ballad. Whatever, I'll Never Let You Go, is that it? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, I hate that ballad. I'm, I'm sure it's probably on the top 10 list of Sonny's favorite songs ever or whatever. But Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, when that came out, I was wanting to rock and roll. I just did not dig that tune. And they played it a lot. That was the other thing is I got burned out a lot on that song. But that record is full of killer rock and roll. Uh, And the tune that I selected, amply enough, is called Rock and Roll. I just wanna, in parentheses, because you got to have the parentheses. There's no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So... What do you want to say about Steelheart other than your love affair with the singer, uh, Sonny? So, yeah, my favorite singer of all time, there is uh, no doubt. Steelheart in a club is one of the best shows I've ever seen. It's easily be in my top ten if we ever do a concert thing. I saw him four times in 91, and... When they when I saw him the first round when they opened for somebody, then they came the second round, and they were the headliner. King of the Hill opened. You remember them? I do. I saw King of the Hill live once. Yeah. So they opened back-to-back nights. It was June 9th and June 10th of uh, 91 in a club. But the first time I saw them was February 6th and February 7th of 91, and they opened for Lynch Mob. That was the show that night. That would have been a cool bill. Yeah. So we went from Steelheart to Oni, and I'm like, wow. (laughs) It's so awesome. Uh, and we saw them back-to-back nights, me and my best friends. So it, it was incredible. Uh, I love this album. Uh, Chris Rosola, who's who's a guitar player, uh, and, you know nobody's ever heard of the guy, but in this song, he rips on that solo. So uh, uh, it's a great song. 
Dude, you had a prodigious boner the whole night. Oh, hell yeah. That was a great night. <laughs> that was a great night. And I had turned 21 finally because I turned October of 90. I turned 21, so I had to actually drink there. So I had a bottle of Cuervo in my boot. I had a, a pint, and I actually took a swig and handed it to Mike, and then he drank some, and they passed it around, and it was crazy. Sweet. All <laughs> right, dude. Rock and roll. I just want
Yeah, it's kind of like Extreme. If you think Steel Heart's just I'll never let you go, then you haven't heard all of Steel Heart. That's just how it is. Yeah, obviously with that tune, that would be the case because that ain't nothing like a ballad. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. So like we were saying earlier, there's so much great stuff that came out in 1990. So let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff that came out. ACDC's Razor Ed- Razor's Edge came out. Great ACDC record, I thought, was a really good ACDC record anyway. Anthrax Persistence of Time came out. What else? Cinderella's Heartbreak Station came out. Here's one that I would have played something off of. Damn Yankees debut record came out. That had a lot of great stuff on it. Thought that was a good solid record. What else? What came uh, out? Porno Graffiti came out oh, that year. God, um, man. Shake Your Money Maker. That's right. Shake Your Money Maker, Porno to Graffiti. That, man, that was two fantastic records. Yeah. Don's solo album, his first solo album, Up From the Ashes. Firehouse's first album came out. Trickster's debut. Yeah. House of Lord Sahara. I love that album. Winger in the Heart of the Young. Let's see. We already talked about Lynch Mob. Uh, Megadeth, Rust in Peace. Warrant Cherry Pie. Oh, that was a good album, too. Wasn't it? Prince's Graffiti Bridge came out. I know we're not a Prince podcast, but I love Prince. Nah. Stick It To You, Slaughter. River Dogs. Scorpions, Crazy World. Yeah, that was the <laughs> that was the other end of Scorpions. <laughs> yeah. What about, do you like a Striper record against the law? Love it. One of my favorite Striper albums. Oh, um, this here's a huge record that came out. Five Man Acoustical Jam, Tesla. That's right. That was a, a big record. Thunder's Backstreet Symphony. Remember Thunder? Oh, yeah. That was a good record. I have that record. Yeah, I have that record, too. Have you ever heard uh, of that band, Vicious Rumors? Oh, yeah. They're a Bay Area band. Are you kidding me? Yeah, man. That's a good, solid yeah. record. Yeah, I knew the singer for a while. It's a good guy. Detonator by Rat. I like Detonator. I thought it was a good record. How about YNT10 came out that year? Did it? Yeah. Awesome. How about Living Colors, Time's Up? Oh, yeah, yeah. I loved uh, Sweet F&A, Stick to Your Guns, came out that year. Oh, did it? Yeah. Wow. Dio, Lock Up the Wolves came out. I think that was the record after Craig Goldie uh, and after Vivian. That that one had Brian uh, Robertson on it, I think. Oh, did it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, some great, great albums, no doubt. Absolutely, absolutely. So obviously we just scratched the surface with 1990, but we couldn't play everything we want to. Otherwise, we'd be here for, you know, five years, which... May have to do 1990 Part 2 at some time. Maybe, but there's so many other years. We got we to gotta move too. on, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. All right, so the historic moment. So... I put this in the show notes, and Stephen goes, uh, okay, because actually I want to play a Slaughter song. So we mentioned that Stick It To You came out that year, and they have actually got a Kiss connection twice with this album. Number one, they opened for Kiss. I saw them back-to-back nights in Sacramento and San Francisco on September 12th and 13th uh, of this year, of 1990. I mean, they were just hitting with Fly to the Angels. It was getting stupid. Now, they had a ton of hits on this album. But actually, my favorite song is the other Kiss Connection, 
which is a song called Burning Bridges. Have you heard of that song? Me? Of course. Burning Bridges, first song, first song, or no, it's the second song on the record, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it opened up with Odd Eye, so yeah. Yeah. So Burning Bridges was a song for Vinnie Vincent. And it's instead of a guitar solo, they even went so far as to instead of a guitar solo in the middle, they uh, Mark actually does a little rant about how Vinny has been acting while he worked with him. And, you know, it'll go so fast if you don't hit pause. So I'm going to tell you what he says. He says, so you want to do another solo, huh? Not here, pal. So you want to go eat some dinner, eh? What's that? Charge it to the record company? You left your wallet at home. Oh, no, you got a headache. Maybe I can get you some aspirin, huh? That's what he says instead of a guitar solo. <laughs> Pretty rough on Vinny. <laughs> well, I think I think from the stories that I heard, he had every right to be. I think that Vinny treated Mark pretty badly, uh, from my understanding anyway. And that's not from Mark. That was from somebody else. Yeah, and I've heard those stories too. But, you know, what I got out of it was I got Vinny Vincent Invasion which was great for a while, and then I got Slaughter, which was great for another while longer. So the song we're going to uh, play for you is Burning Bridges by Slaughter.
Well, I like I like the first couple records actually, but that first record's really good. Stick it to you, and I love that song. So that's pretty cool. Well, before we wrap this thing up, once again, we want to encourage people to go to our Facebook page and interact with us. Occasionally, each week, we'll post things out there about upcoming episodes or get you involved in episodes that have already posted. But we definitely want to hear from you. We want feedback. Tell us what we what you like, what you don't like. Share us by all means. Share us because that's how word of mouth gets out and picks up our podcast. What do you think there, Hollywood? Yeah, any feedback we can get is uh, incredible. We'd love to know, you know, what ideas you got for a podcast. We're always looking for ideas. We got a whole book of them, but doesn't mean we got the best one. So if you think of something, let us know. Absolutely. All right. Well, Hollywood, it's time to shake, rattle, and roll, or shuffle, rattle, and roll, as we like to say. Thank you very much. Peace out. See ya. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
dong It takes two rulers to measure how long it's In circumference It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.